Just Me and My Trauma discusses trauma in all its forms. This could include topics such as sexual assault, drug use, child abuse, violence, gore, and much more. In some cases, names are changed to respect both the deceased and survivors. While comedy may be noted, in no way is it meant to disrespect any individual or situation. Humor is our coping mechanism. Listener discretion is advised. And this is Kelsey. We did that right this time. Yeah, we did. Yay. <laughs> anyway, hello, trauma llamas. How's your week been? Mine? Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, I don't I, think they can answer. <laughs> they could. I talked to my podcast when I listened to them. Oh, that's, <clears throat> that's fair. Okay. Yeah. Um, did you get a reply? I'm being laughed at and I don't know. <laughs> I said, did you get a reply from, because you, you asked them how they were doing. Oh... You know what? Here's the deal. <laughs> I have been up since 5.30 this morning for no apparent reason other than to be depressed and angry and angsty. Oh. Yeah. Because trauma exists. Because trauma exists. Yes. So they may have replied and I would never know. Oh, that's fair. And mm. I'm just, I'm, I'm chilling. I sound like I had a throat reconstruction or something. Uh, I guess I'm sick. I don't feel sick. I just have a weird throat. Weird throat. Weird throat. <laughs> um, how was your week other than that? Good, I think. <laughs> That's <laughs> my, <laughs> my friend messaged me yesterday and asked me how the flooring was coming along in my house. And that's ex- the exact answer I gave her was good, I think. So just a quick. <clears throat> Are you almost time. done? No. Oh. <laughs> so my brother is doing my flooring. The same brother from the last two episodes. Oh, yeah. The bomb threat brother. Yes. The bomb threat. <laughs> he's going <laughs> to love that he's referred to as that. Um, anyway, he's he's replacing my flooring, which I'm super grateful for, but I'm pretty sure it's causing me more traumas. <laughs> um, no, he, he... my Okay, so I live in a mobile home, and for those of you who don't know, older mobile homes shift, and so my walls don't sit flush anymore. <laughs> he's been having issues so i told my friend i was like good i think honestly i'm just sitting here listening to james bitch about (laughs) i'm not doing anything i clean the house so he can put in the floors and i retain the dogs from harassing him perfect yeah i feel like that's the hardest job i especially when you have a four-month-old puppy who wants to just be in everybody's business Uh, yes yeah it's a puppy's job yeah the older one doesn't give a shit what's happening she's like (laughs) eh so, yeah, that's that's what's going on in the world of Jesse right now is I'm getting new flooring. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've literally been doing nothing. That's, I don't think. Hold that's on. That's nice. Let's see. Saturday. Sunday. Today's Monday. Yes, today is Monday. I think I've just been recuperating because I go back for 312s tomorrow. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Ew. And then I get my normal four days off. Oh, that means that. you have to work Thanksgiving, though. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you're used to it. I used to yeah. work Thanksgiving. My family's not 
really here. Right. I know we're, we've decided to drive the two hours up to my parents' house and mm. that's a long drive. Well, it's really not as a military brat myself. <laughs> I was lucky to stay in one state, but we had to drive 24 hours one way to get to one family no. or nine hours the other way until my mom got remarried. And thankfully, thankfully, um, my, if I ever say dad, I'm referring to my stepdad. Um, I think I've said that before, but my dad's parents lived in Salt Lake up until their passing. So they were close. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. That was an unusual thing for us, though. Excuse me as I drink my drink. Um, Yeah, we usually, sometimes we go to, like, friends' houses. Yeah. But we're definitely not going to make a turkey in this house. Go buy a rotisserie chicken the day before and just make sides the next. (gasps) That's a great idea. Yeah, that's what I was going to do until my mom asked me to come up. Oh. Just me and the dogs, because Eric's, Eric's at his dad's house this week. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. You cool. You don't have to cook anything. You just warm the thing up. Now we have plans. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then and then the wifey can make the sides while you're at work, and then you just come home and eat. That's the And life. the sides are the easiest part anyway. <gasps> Mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes. Potatoes. Yes. Okay. Wait, I almost got a fist fight over yams one year. I just want you to know this. What? Um, so, okay, more backstory for Jesse's life. I am currently separated from my husband that, so I'm, I'm single, as I've said before. Anywho, um, one year at his family's Thanksgiving, um, the second newest member of the family besides me, um, he went to scoop up the yams and he always thought I was like this quiet, kind of reserved, didn't really talk much because I am when I'm there. Went after the yams and I told him I'd beat him up if he didn't leave me any. So now it's a family joke to this day. Nice. They when they have their family Thanksgiving, even though I'm not there, they'll message me and say, "Don't worry, we saved you yams." Nice. So, um, yeah, that's all that matters is that yeah. they saved them for you. I really enjoy my in laws, and I miss them. Um, oh, here, did I? <laughs> the, she just tried to move her mic closer, but as you guys know, we use a ladder for my desk, and I was pulling everything else, and both mics are attached to that. So she tried to move the whole thing over mm-hmm. so i just moved it for her i am destructive she is it's fine everybody it's fine all right so, so am i i'm going first this week huh yes you are so what we're talking about this week is our originally planned content for last week yep stockholm syndrome and not stockholm syndrome yeah so we're going to talk about the difference between stockholm and survival because there is a difference there are people who submit and give in just to survive and then there are people who actually do fall in love with their captors and that is what we're going to cover today um we originally were going to cover this last week so this week this episode actually comes out the week after thanksgiving so it's a little confusing for us because we're a week ahead of everyone yep so probably confusing for you it's okay we're living in the future in the future (laughs) and you're living in the past that's okay you're 2000 and late we're 3008 backwards you're, you're in the oddies <laughs> yeah you're in the oddies <laughs> all right so i'm going to go first i am going to cover survival um i'm going to actually be talking about elizabeth smart and i chose her because i actually lived through this um because it happened in salt lake and oh, that I, sounded like you you lived with her through it i did I did through the news, okay? Okay. You, okay, so you have to think about this. And the reason I said it like this is because when you live 
in an area where something like this happens, it is all over the news and you seriously feel like you are living it vicariously through these people. That's fair. Kind of like how the Gabby Petito thing was. Yes. Everybody was in that shit. Yeah. You, even if you didn't ever meet her because she came through Ogden just days before it happened, we should cover that at some point. Yes. Um, just days before it happens, we, we'll do a whole episode on domestic violence because I think that's what that falls under. Mm -hmm. But, um, you do, you feel like you're part of it. It's like when 9-11 happened, you knew, like, everything that day Mm -hmm. felt like you were there because everything was so involved. So I think that's when something big happens, that's what it feels like. So, no, I did not live with her. (laughs) I did not live through the actual experience with her, but because of the coverage, I feel like I was there. Okay, well, I just wanted you to clarify for the people. (laughs) You guys are welcome. All right, so on to Elizabeth Smart. If I accidentally call her Katie, I need you guys to understand this happened at an age where I went to school with a Katie Smart, and it was all the same timing, so it's weird. Okay, Mm -hmm. but it's Elizabeth Smart. Okay. I never had Stockholm Syndrome. Kate, uh, Elizabeth, um, Elizabeth says in the movie... Just because I physically stopped resisting doesn't mean I hated it any less. I wasn't sympathetic towards them. I despised them. That is a quote from the Lifetime movie, I Am Elizabeth Smart. Today we are talking about the difference, as we already said, between Stockholm Syndrome and survival. <laughs> and I, as I said before, I chose Elizabeth Smart because I lived through this experience. I love how I cover things before I actually cover them. <laughs> um, I was the exact same age as Elizabeth Smart when she was abducted and it was only 40 miles away from where i lived and grew up how red, old was she when she was abducted? uh hold on hold on we'll get there oh sorry random but true fact i am only one month and one day older than elizabeth and i texted kelsey that when i figured that out it's true i did okay <laughs> um i remember the news on june 5th of 2002 so in the oddies Young 14-year-old Smart was abducted from her own bedroom and the bed she shared with her sister in Salt Lake City, Utah. At knife point by self-proclaimed prophet Brian David Mitchell. Quickly, volunteers came from all over, including my hometown of Roy, to form search parties and look for this young girl who had her whole life ahead of her. I put here. That's why I stopped, guys. I'm sorry. My reading is off today. (laughs) Unfortunately, nothing turned up from any of these searches. Any hope of finding the teen had slowly become lost over days, weeks, and even months. Until, nine months later, on March 12th of 2003, a complete stranger recognized Smart on the the streets of Sandy, Utah, about 18 miles away from her home, along with her kidnappers. Oh, shit. The night of her kidnapping, Smart was forced by Mitchell to walk three miles to a mountain campsite. And yes, three miles to a campsite in from a city in Utah is very realistic. Yeah. Once there, and with the help of Mitchell's common law wife, Wanda Barzi, chained Smart up and held an impromptu wedding ceremony. Mitchell's goal was to take Smart as his second wife. This is very common in Utah. Fundamentalism. Yes. If you guys don't know the history of Utah, we were settled by Mormons. They did believe in polygamy at one point. They no longer do. But they do have sects of the Mormon church that do still practice polygamy. I just got so confused. I didn't know you meant like S-E-C-T. I thought you meant like sex. 
of the Mormon cults. And I was like, yeah, yeah, well, they have that too, but anyway, yeah, sect um, of the Mormon churches. So if you've ever watched Big Love, any of those shows, um, Cody Brown from, um, (sighs) yes, Sister Wives, they are all. He's not even cute, like at all. I agree. <laughs> I 100% agree. Um, but they, most of the wives were raised in a sect of <laughs> these um, break-offs of the Mormon religion. Um, so that is where polygamy, polygamy starts. Um, Jeff, or Warren Jeffs. Warren Jeffs is a prophet of one of these. He's self-proclaimed. Smart was raped and assaulted on a daily by Mitchell until her rescue in March of 2003. Smart's survival instinct was what kept her alive during the nine-month period of which she could only assume was hell. People often asked, asked why she didn't run and why she did not speak out sooner. Because clearly they had no problem taking her onto the streets right. in the area. I, like I said, 18 miles away. Just 18 miles away from where she lived. That's fucking bold. Yeah. And the original campsite was only three miles away from where she was taken. It's fucked. Yeah. So clearly these guys were pretty bold about the situation. Her response is this quote. That's what I did. I know know across the board, whether it's sexual violence, kidnapping, domestic violence, that's why so many other survivors don't speak out, don't run, and don't immediately raise the alarm. They just, they just don't, is what she said. Makes sense. So that's the basic story of what happened. In 2013, Elizabeth Smart wrote a book recounting the ho- the harrowing event of those nine months. And it's called My Story. Going back there didn't bother me because, because that place didn't hurt me. It was the people in it that hurt me. She <laughs> told Kelly on the Today Show as she talked about reliving those experiences she lived and fought through. She's very smart emotionally, I guess. No matter how easy it was for Smart to relive those experiences while writing her book, the damage of the kidnapping was not easy to recover from. Elizabeth Smart was raised in the LDS church, and like many other Christian religion-based churches, was taught that sex before marriage was wrong. The repeated rapes made her feel ruined. She felt ashamed and embarrassed, even though she knew it wasn't her fault. (laughs) I felt like I wasn't worthy to be saved she said oh my god i felt like i was never going to be loved yeah we'll definitely cover religious trauma at some point yes (laughs) that falls under cult too (laughs) yes uh so okay however smart found this to be completely untrue as she came to heal and recover from the abuse she was able to find love within another lds missionary while they both served church missions in france they have three amazing children and live a fairly normal life in Wasatch County, Utah. Wasatch. I hate that word. <laughs> looking back, looking back at her, looking, I have no idea. Hold on. I wrote this this morning and I still don't even remember. <laughs> I had two weeks to finish this, guys, and I just finished it this morning. It is fine. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. I'm just rereading this real quick so I understand what I wrote. Okay, so looking back, Smart, who who was 35 at the time, said those traumatic nine months could have left her bitter and broken. Instead, she has learned to focus on the beauty in her life, and she devotes her time to being a child safety advocate, helping other sexual assault survivors. 
and teaching people how to combat and heal from such attacks. After a flight, so you thought you thought the nine months were bad. Mm. It just she she has every right to be angry at the world mm-hmm. after all that. Mm-hmm. So after a flight in two thousand and nine where she was once again assaulted by a man sitting next to her. Are you fucking kidding me? After she fell asleep by running, rubbing her inner thigh. Yeah, see, no. At that time, <laughs> she began offering self-defense classes to others. Oh! Charges were pressed against the man, but there was not enough evidence to prosecute. Why are you fucking kidding me? Um, if you want to know why women don't report, here we are. I just want to let you guys know that um, Brian David Mitchell did receive life in prison. Um... Wanda Barzi, his common law wife, um, she received, I'll have to look at the sentence, but she is up for parole, I believe, in the next couple of years, or she's already been released. Hmm. I can't remember. I'll look at that in just a second and answer that. It's unfortunate. It is. Working through her foundation, Elizabeth Smart Foundation, which was founded by her father in 2011 using 50 grand, because that's the easiest way for me to say that, <laughs> that was awarded to Smart by fashion designer Dion von Furstenberg, <laughs> my guess. Um, Smart's mission is to bring hope and end victimization and exploitation of sexual assault through education, healing, and advocacy. In March of 2023, Smart launched Wholehearted Cons- or Wholehearted Consent, a website that holds information for parents on how to talk to their teens about sexual consent. Nice. I am certainly not an expert on sex ed, but I am an expert on in having my boundaries violated, she said. Oh. I feel we really need to provide more education, which, as somebody who grew up in, U- in, in the U.S., I grew up in the U.S., clearly. Perfect. Um, but as somebody who grew up in Utah, surrounded by the LDS Church, which is a heavy part of Utah. Yes. Um, I can I can testify that they do not teach enough about consent. Um, they do not teach enough about the whole about sex period. Um, they would rather just act like it's not non-existent, mm-hmm. and, bef- and instead of teaching people who people need to know this kind of stuff to prevent this stuff from happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think not teaching it, and I think she's on the right track, and I think she is doing good out there, and I hope hopefully this will become at some point down through filter down through the schools in Utah and stuff like that to help help with that a little bit. Because... Hope so. Okay, so oh <laughs> um so apparently and this is from 2019, Wanda Barzi has been released. She was paroled. Hmm. Um or she was completely freed. I can't remember. I can't remember how long her thing was. But she is living near yet another elementary school in Salt Lake City area. But this was from 2009, so I don't know exactly. I thought you said it was 2019. 19, sorry, 2019. <laughs> um, I just want to look at her. But yeah, so that's kind of creepy. Did, um, did she have to register as a sex offender? Um, I believe she did. I'm looking into that right now. She is remarried, though. Ew. Okay, so she was convicted of 15 years. So she was not released on parole. Um, and she was released on September 19th of... I'm looking at abcnews.go.com right now for this information. She was released September 19th of 2018. So she hasn't been out for very long. Five years. But she hasn't reoffended either. And I honestly, I think she 
may have been a victim of actual Stockholm. Probably. I can see that. Yeah. So, my finishing... Finish this out. In my eyes, Elizabeth's story could have gone totally different way. She could be a totally different person. Instead, she was able to grow, learn, and teach others from this experience. Survival is a basic instinct. And sometimes it looks like submission or giving up. For others, it looks like fighting back and defeating the terror in your life. No matter what your survival looks like, it's okay. As long as you learn and grow from that experience. To my sources, other than the abc.go.com, I used... One called Elizabeth Smart, rescued 20 years ago, now teaches others to fight back. By Kathy Free, March 10th of 2023. So that's just this last year. Um, So it's been 20 years. 20 years Mm -mm. since she was found. Yikes. Um, Elizabeth Smart on the one question that won't go away, why didn't you run? And that's from November 14th of 2017 on today by Scott Strump. Or Stump. Sorry, there's no R. Strump. Strump. So there you go. Nice. Um, yeah. But again, I I <clears throat> I got to watch this whole thing unfold. I remember the day she was found. I remember the day she was I, vividly. Um, in fact, my son's grandfather on his biological dad's side, as far as I can remember, actually went and assisted in these searches. Oh. Um, for her. So that's how close to home it was. My parents did not. I think my mom didn't want to leave and I was 14. Um, and at the time my dad was an over the road truck driver. So he probably wasn't even in Utah when it happened. Mm. So, um, but it's crazy to know that that was so close to home and, and to live through that experience in, on a personal level. So, mm. yeah. All right. There you go. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. That's scary. N- I can't imagine like all this shit. That she went through. And like. I. Am proud of her. Because she did what she set out to do. Which was survive. Exactly. Yikes. She she made it through that. And honestly. In any situation of domestic violence. Like she said. I, your, your goal is to survive. And. Mm-hmm. It just. Submission is sometimes the only way you can do it. I fucking hate people who victim blame. Oh, oh my god. Like, don't victim blame. We will track you down and cut off your penis. Yes. Or, or boobs. N- or nipples. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, nipples might be a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, shit. What was I going to say? Oh, I also want to state real quick. I there. I personally have nothing against the LDS church. Um, and I feel this way about any type of religion. There are certain things that should not be taught in churches to protect people in fact i was listening to one of our favorite podcasts morbid on our way down here today Morbid. i don't know if you listen to him a week early but this episode's like yeah the newest okay absolutely um they were talking about two young girls who were raped and murdered and this was in the 50s the autopsy tech and the people who were handling the body told the police and everybody around to protect these children's purity and act as if though they were not raped. So it's not just something that was taught by the Elias Church. It's something that we have all been brought up with at some point or another. I remember my parents telling me to wait. But if I couldn't, that's fine. They understood. And that's how it should be. If you're going to believe that you should wait for marriage to have sex, you should at least teach your children to say, hey, we understand that that may not be possible. Mm-hmm. Come to us if you need help. Like, don't don't shame people for that. Yeah, virginity is a social construct. Like, you 
<laughs> okay. Yeah, this is you, a loaded thing. <laughs> you have sex when you're ready to have sex, period. Yeah. Um, there was a mom on Facebook who she had told her son if he ever needed condoms or anything like that, she'd get them. She'd be very open about the situation, mm-hmm. which I will praise her son. He's 14 and he felt comfortable enough going to his mom. Wow. And saying, mom, I need condoms. She posted in one of the mom groups and said, hey, I don't know what to do in this situation. Mm-hmm. And I commented, I said, buy the condoms. You mm-hmm. you want to keep his trust. You want him to feel comfortable. And at the end of the day, they may never be used. He may not use them. He may just, and not in the way as like he may not use them, but in a way that he just was like, hey, I'm happy I had these, mm-hmm. but now I'm not going to need them in that particular way. Exactly. If you want your kids to trust you, follow through with your promises. I have one other funny story about condoms. Oh, God. (laughs) Before I did hair, I worked at a convenience store here, local to Utah. If you were in Utah, you know exactly which local convenience store I'm talking Mm. about. Does it start with an M? Yes. I figured (laughs) it out. Um, Anyway, and a coworker of mine, there was these kids. They couldn't have been any more than like 12 or 13. And they had been messing with the condom boxes and he goes Mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure they were gonna try to buy them and i i wasn't gonna sell them to him and i looked at him i said if you weren't gonna sell those to them you are just as much responsible to pay child support from whatever baby comes (laughs) and he's like what do you mean i said they were being going to be smart Mm -hmm. and buy condoms Mm -hmm. and you just sell them to them because that way you don't and they don't end up with a baby Mm -hmm. like don't don't question it just do it I bought condoms at like 16, not even to use, but because it said don't put oil on them. And we want to see what happens if we put oil on them. <laughs> okay. So like kids are kids. They're going to do stupid stuff. Wait, 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 wait. Yes. What happened? Oh, yeah. So about that. We put it on a plate, like a paper plate, put the oil on it, put it in a cabinet. We were going to come back to it. Well, my friend's dad found it and threw it away because <laughs> he did not know we were doing social like, or we were doing experiments in his house. So I could not tell you what happened because the this <laughs> experiment was never repeated. Can you imagine what was going through his head? Why the fuck is there a condom on a plate? You know, he was the type of dad who probably didn't question shit. He was just like, you know what? I'm just going to throw this away and not, not worry about it because <laughs> weird shit happens in this house all the time. Well, good. Yeah. All right. Well, is it time for a gloom breaker? Gloom breaker. <laughs> so, um, yes. yes. Okay. I'll go first. Yes. So, I think I've given up on uh, Am I the Assholes? Because I think that you find good ones. I find the good today I fucked up. You do. So, this is Today I Fucked Up by user Dr. McSinister. <laughs> related to doctor gloves i hope not yeah you're right i hope not to anyway continue okay today i fucked up by stuffing my face with edibles before dinner with my wife's parents this is something i would do (laughs) i have a funny story to tell you after this go ahead okay recently i traveled to denver colorado with my wife and my wife's parents as a resident of a non-legalized state and as someone who is too much of a pussy to regularly buy illegal drugs, the thing I was looking forward to the most was the chance to buy fancy legal weed. I mean, even though it's medically legal here, I still look forward to buying it out of state. <laughs> <laughs> I get it, sir. I get it. Uh, what could possibly go wrong? That's Everything. Famous last words. Yep. So the first thing I do upon arriving and after successfully ditching the in-laws is drag my wife to a nearby dispensary for a shopping spree. 
And oh my god, it was just like in my dreams. Tons of different options and neat little sample jars, and a team of helpful stoners walking me through the various strains. Are you looking for a mellow body high, or do you want something that gives you a bit more pep and energy? Or are you just hoping for something light to take the stress off? Yes, yes, and yes, I reply eagerly, like a fat kid in a candy store, and request an eight ounce of about seven different options. In hindsight, if I learned anything from this experience, it was that my math and science teachers never taught me basic information like what is an ounce, or how much weed can a person consume in a single weekend. <laughs> That is a class that should be added. Yep. Mm-hmm. How, how to use weed properly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. Yep. Um, hair in my mouth. Sure, I can tell you when two speeding trains leaving the separate stations will collide or recite Avogadro's number, but it turns out that none of that information is particularly relevant revel- to getting high in a responsible and efficient manner. And it was at this dispensary that I also learned that you can't actually smoke in public places. Hold on. Yes? Say dispensary again. Did I say dispensary? Yes. Twice. (laughs) And I wasn't sure if it was a southern thing or if you just kept saying it. (laughs) My brain read too fast (laughs) and added its own letters. Dispensary, excuse me. <laughs> okay, I just want, like I said, it, it could have been like a cart versus a buggy. I don't know. I just want to know. Dispensary. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I know what this episode's going to be called. Dispensary. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Da, la, la. It was at the dispensary. Dispens. Dispen- fuck. God damn it. Dispensary. <sighs> It was at this dispensary that I also learned that you can't actually smoke in public places, including the hotel that my wife and I were staying at. As a result, before leaving, I begged my wife to buy some edibles that I could munch on until we found a place to properly get lit. (laughs) After expressing shock as to the absurd volume of drugs that we were buying, unlike me, she is the product of private school and understands the imperial measurement system. She relents, and we walk out of the store with what felt like a dump truck of weed, plus a small package of seemingly innocuous ginger snap cookies. Oh, That sounds bombing. Right? <laughs> when we finally get back to the hotel room, I tear those bad boys open, only to find about a dozen tiny cookies, throw- roughly the size of a quarter. What the fuck, Denver? Seeing the skepticism and hunger in my eyes, my wife warns me that I should go easy and look at the back of the package first before trying one. Dose size, half a cookie, I read silently as I start taking microbites from the edges like a giant chinchilla gnawing on a sunflower seed. (laughs) (laughs) But what kind of savage only eats half a cookie? So a second later, I covertly pop the remainder into my mouth. And then I quickly stuff another two cookies in my mouth for good measure the moment my wife turns her back. I have heard this one before. And I'm still shocked by the (laughs) audacity this man had to eat that many cookies. You can tell that he's never done an edible before. Sheesh. I'm starting to question if he's ever actually smoked pot before. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Da, 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 da. Uh, goodness. We may not have legal weed back home, but I routinely devour an entire package of Milano's in one sitting without breaking a sweat. Your move. Not the same. <laughs> Your move, tiny ginger snaps. About 30 minutes later, we are in the back seat of her parents' rental car on the way to dinner, and that's when things start to go tits up. <laughs> My stomach growls, loudly and angrily, 
My wife looks at me with inquisitive eyes that seem to say, Diarrhea? (laughs) (laughs) But I merely clutch my tummy and mumble something about altitude sickness. That's, that's exactly what's happening. Yep. You didn't eat a whole cookie, did you? She asks. 10% in genuine concern and 90% in seething irritation. (laughs) Of course not, I respond, avoiding eye contact for the remainder of the car ride. I mean, technically, he ate three whole cookies. So... That's still a lie. The lie detector test... That's fair. Proves that was a lie. That's fair. Let's see. A few minutes later, we are climbing out of her parents' rental car and heading into some trendy farm-to-table restaurant. I don't remember how I made it to my seat, and I don't remember even looking at the menu. But I do remember the concerned look on the waiter's face as he asked me if I was doing all right. (laughs) (laughs) Keep it together, man, I said to myself. But my wife's sudden groan suggests that I may have also said that to the waiter. Things are going downhill fast. The waiter nods sympathetically, takes our orders, and then heads to the next table. The moment he walks away, my wife's staring daggers at me. I start to worry that the jig is up. You are sweating from your entire face, she says, with both pity and disgust. Not quite knowing what to do, I reach for my napkin and proceed to blot my cheeks, nose, neck, chin, and forehead. At this point, my wife's mom looks over at me with some concern. Are you all right? She asks kindly. Yeah, the food's just a bit spicy. I reply far too quick to realize we had literally just ordered and that there was nothing on the table except for a basket of dinner rolls. <laughs> Very spicy bread. <laughs> Super spicy. My wife kicks me under the table to grab my attention. Bathroom. Now, she hisses. Get it together. I reluctantly get up from the table and head toward the toilet. After splashing several handfuls of water on my face, I approach a urinal and start to pee. Now... One of the more disconcerting effects of those tiny ginger stout monster... Okay, here we go again. Now, one of the most disconcerting effects of those tiny ginger stout monsters is the feeling that time has become untethered from reality. As I'm peeing, I start to get the very unsettling feeling that I have been taking a piss for the better part of an hour and that my wife must be pacing around the restaurant worried about me. But deep down, I know that is absurd. I've been peeing all my life, sometimes multiple times a day. I've probably taken more than 50,000 leaks, and it usually only takes about a minute at most. So given that my typical pee is no more than than 60 seconds, and given that it feels like I'm about halfway done, that means that I've probably only been standing here about 30 seconds, right? Stoner math. (laughs) Stoner math is the best. (laughs) But the guy at the urinal next to me doesn't respond, and instead starts shuffling away from me midstream like a startled penguin. (laughs) Math out loud. <laughs> oh my god. I try, albeit unsuccessfully, to break eye contact. <laughs> At least it was eye contact and not penis contact. That's true. Very true. Could have been the a lot eyes, worse. With the eyes, not two penises touches, but your eyes staring at the other dude's penis. Oh, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I'm glad I clarified yeah, that. Yeah, I'm really glad you clarified <laughs> After finally finishing, I again splashed some water on my face and returned to my seat making sure to apologize to the table for being gone such a long time, just in case my math was off. <laughs> next, I try to brief, well, next, I try briefly to engage in small talk with my wife's father, but I'm far too high to understand what either of us are saying. Not wanting to start laughing uncontrollably at the wrong moment, or really at any moment, I figure the safest idea is to nod my head periodically and drink a ton of water. Nothing cures mental fatigue like water, right? 
To my wife's horror, I stand up, grab my water glass, and thrust it out to the waiter. <laughs> Who, unfortunately, is on the opposite side of the restaurant. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. I'm hoping that most of you guys know how edibles work. But the more you ingest after the edibles, the harder they hit. And the longer they last, last. Right? <laughs> yes. And it's because some really smart girl at at one of the events I go to, I do drugs in the desert, like Burning Man and E11. Anyway, um, <laughs> I don't do drugs, kids. Anyway, um, I, she explained to me, it's because it processes it differently. So when you inhale it, it, pro- it absorbs and, and goes through your body differently. But when you eat it, it's a different type of like THC or something like that that is released. And that's why it lasts longer. And the more you eat and the more you put in on top of it, it makes it because it just keeps releasing mm-hmm. it. <laughs> so drinking tons of water and eating is not good. No. No. Oh, God. Okay. <clears throat> Let's see. He thrust out the water glass. Water glass to the <laughs> waiter who is unfortunately on the opposite side of the restaurant. But he turns out to be really cool and, after making his way over to our table, tells me that he'll do his best to keep me stocked with ice water for the rest of the meal. He also helpfully suggests that if the dinner rolls aren't too spicy for me, (laughs) I should probably eat one or two so that I'm not sitting there on an empty stomach. Smart man. However. Kinda. (laughs) As we just discussed. Yeah, right. However, after going through all the bread on the table and three glasses of water, I start to get worried that I need actual food to offset the growing paranoia from those tiny ginger snap devils. <laughs> Do you think I should flag down the waiter again and ask what's taking so long? I suggest helpfully to my wife. What? We literally just ordered three fucking minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. At that exchange, my wife loses her cool. How many cookies did you eat? She demands. Whoa, easy there, Torquemada. I respond, <laughs> somewhat horrified at her outbursts. I had a few Kate. I had a few cookies, but keep it down. I don't want your parents to know how fucked up I am. <laughs> oh my god, this is something I would do. Oh fuck. <laughs> Really, they are sitting two feet away from you. They know. (laughs) I look up and for the first time notice both my in-laws just staring at me for what literally felt like an eternity. TLDR, ate way too many edibles on a trip and wigged out during a dinner with my wife and her parents. And there's an update. (laughs) I like updates. Uh, Let's see. As for part two of the story, there's a reason or technically... Three delicious reasons why it was cut short. At that point, my wife's singular focus was on getting me out of the restaurant before I either puked all over the table or pissed myself, or an unsightly combination of both. So after a few spastic two-handed waves goodbye to my in-laws, she rushed me out the door like a Secret Service agent evacuating the president. (laughs) My night after that was a whirlwind of barfing and groveling mixed with a few vain attempts at getting handsy back at the hotel room. But being the absolute awesome sweetie that she is, my wife stuck with me through the whole nightmare, whispering over and over in my ear, please don't die, we have a mortgage. (laughs) (laughs) 
the end. That's the end. Fantastic. Um, so I hope you guys learned a little bit about pot use. Now I am not the expert on pot use. I just know I I I am separated from an expert on <laughs> on um pot use. And I dated a guy who is an expert on pot use um in the last year or so. So you got secondhand knowledge. I do. So <laughs> I got the fun- I gotta tell you guys a funny story and it is about about eating edibles and and in-laws kind of so i was dating this guy and his brother is is amazing with like smoking meats and stuff like that fantastic food like no complaints ever (laughs) and i had an edible before we ate and when i am high i get fixated on cravings and if i don't get it i cry like i'm a (laughs) two-year-old Okay, so my third, my 23rd birthday, all I wanted to do was get stoned and play video games. So I did. <laughs> the, the, uh, the current husband, whatever, I, my life's complicated. <laughs> he put the cake up, like, on the highest shelf so I couldn't reach it. Um, and I climbed up there to get it. Because, oh no! And then cried the next morning because there was no cake left over. Anyway, so that's that's how I am with with snacks and stuff. So <sighs> I got fixated on wanting a Baja Blast, and we ate dinner. And I was like, I really need a Baja Blast. So the guy I was seeing, he took me to go get a Baja Blast, and we we're just going to go to Seven Eleven to get Baja Blast and a couple snackies. Mm-hmm. Well, we did not because Seven Eleven did not have any Baja Blast. Ugh. Next door is a Taco Bell. Oh, no. Yeah. So we just went to Taco Bell. Baja, Baja Blast. I went back. Well, his brother thought we went to Taco Bell and got Taco Bell because I didn't like his food. Oh, no. No, it gets better. <laughs> so then a few weeks later, I once again take an edible. We eat dinner. And then I want cheese curds. Oh, no. <laughs> I, want, I want all the cheese curds. So we go to get cheese curds. And while we're in line to get my cheese curds, we find out that the boyfriend's uncle has died oh god so the part that i forgot to include is this we were gonna go get cheese curds go pick up my car and go back to my house so i could eat the cheese curds without his brother being offended about the cheese curds okay thinking i didn't like his food again and so we got back and at that point we couldn't leave because uncle has passed Mm -hmm. so i put the cheese curds in my purse (laughs) and they stayed there for like three hours Oh, no. Before I went home and I ate them. <laughs> to this day, the the gentleman I was seeing felt bad, felt, felt really bad. He's like, I should have just let you eat the damn cheese curds. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. So, yeah, um, that's, that's my story. And the brother now knows why I w- why we went to those places afterwards. I did end up telling him that it's not your food. I'm high and mm-hmm. I'm a fat girl. So fat girl has to be fed well high. So. Do you remember how the cheese curds tasted from your purse? They were, okay, so they were in their box. Okay. In the restaurant bag, mm-hmm. sitting on top. So it's not like they were just loosely in my ch- That's good. <laughs> yeah, no, they tasted, they just were, they were cold. They taste like cheese curds, but cold. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm all just like letting them hang loose in my, <laughs> my purse. They're all rolling around. <laughs> You just pick one every now and again. Yeah. 
well, get some hair off of it. Well, they were reminiscing their uncle. I almost pulled the cheese curds out and like put them on the counter just to see if anybody would notice. <laughs> but I wasn't that daring, so that didn't happen. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> so that is Jesse and Pot. But yeah, you don't leave that in. Don't put that in the bloopers. Everybody needs to hear that. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Okay. <laughs> Do you have anything to say about the high stoned man in Colorado? Uh, no. No, I don't. <laughs> I think he said it all. <laughs> yeah, he did. You know, I we read these Reddits, and I'm not going to lie, some of these Reddit posters need to be writers, because that one was extremely well written. That was funny. Yeah. So. I love when people write funny shit like that. Yeah. Have you ever read the one about the, um, the vacuum cleaner, the iRobot? No. Oh, I'll have to find that one, and we the, can do it next, next week. week. Okay, perfect. All right. As always, mine is from Am I the Devil, originally posted on Am I the Asshole. The Am I the Asshole um, title is Am I the Asshole for How I Reacted to Finding Out I Was Being Played? And the Am I the Devil title is Am I the Asshole for Being an Abusive Pedo? Whoa! Now you know why. <laughs> yeah. That escalated quickly. Mm, yes, it did. Um, so... Am I the asshole for how I reacted to finding out I was being played? I don't share the names of the posters for the sheer fact that a lot of these have been deleted from the original post. Mm, And so I'm reading a copy of it. So there you go. All right. I met my ex-girlfriend, Rose, when I was turning 20 and she was turning 16. Now these guys... 20 and 16? Yep. Okay, just making sure. So... Four years isn't that bad, but she is underage. Romeo and Juliet law does not count for this one because they did not meet in high school. Not in Georgia. No. Oh, well, that's fair. <laughs> um, I felt a little weird about it because you should have. Um, but she kept assuring me that it was legal in our state since the age of consent was 16. Oh, no. Which is true. We were together on and off for about four years or so. Things were good until they were not. Usually (laughs) how that goes. Yeah, crazy. She never told her family about me because they thought I would be a bad influence because I used to sell a little grass. Yep, that's that's why. That's why she kept you away from her family. Oh, wow. That's exactly it. We just connected. Yep. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) She's always had a rough home life. Excuse me. She hated school and would come up to my apartment in an hour away. up to my apartment an hour away from an hour away and stay there for a week she barely graduated high school Mm. from the beginning she would not delete her exes on snapchat so i wouldn't delete mine because that seems fair (sighs) i guess there was a bit of online cheating from both of us but she went but she went out and tried to leave me many times well because she's she's fucking 18 and you're like 20 22 like, she, her brain is not fucking functioning right. Anyway. Mm-mm. It ain't even completely. Okay. No. Nope. Yep. For a few months, she was seeing this guy from her high school. I did not, and did not tell me. Okay. <clears throat> Boo. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. She would just tell me things like, she doesn't want to be with me. Every time she left, I was a wreck. I did some things I know I shouldn't have. Oh, God. I want to know what those things are, but yeah, it, I don't know if it's going to tell us. But she was unfaithful and played with my feelings. Oh. I would call her 50 times. Off-blocked numbers. Uh. 
I would drive past her house and tell her I'm not leaving until she comes outside and goes on a ride with me to talk. My guy, this is stalker behavior. Yeah. My guy, this is crazy guy behavior. Well, now you know why he's the asshole. Yep. I messaged her friends and said some bad things about her. Uh, Oh, this woman that you want back so much? Yep. Right. I threatened to end myself many times by jumping off building pills or a car crash. Yep. Yeah. We have officially he's gone into crazy He's super healthy. Man. Yes. He's super healthy. I told her that she'd have to explain to my mom why. Oh. I smashed her phone when I found out she was texting another man in my bed. So you're violent too. Mm-hmm. One day she made me so mad because we were fighting, I dropped her off the road late at night. Are so you just in the middle of the road? While she was having an asthma attack. Okay. As someone who has asthma, fuck you, guy. Fuck you. But I think she was just being dramatic. One time. What? (laughs) (laughs) One time, I just wanted to talk to her, but she did not want to. Imagine that. Whoa. She wanted to get out of the car, but I told her that I didn't want her to get out of the car. So she walked out when I was stopped when I was at a stop sign. Good job, little one. Good job. That's what people do, you know, when they've been kidnapped. Yep. So. Yeah, just imagine that. She she clearly did not have Stockholm Syndrome, okay? Yeah. Um, well, she was seeing, well, she was seeing other guys from her school. I logged into her Apple ID. What? And, <laughs> okay. This is, sir, again, it had nothing to do with the pot, okay? They knew. They just yeah. knew. Okay. And I had access to all of her messages. I threatened the guy she was seeing and oh, sent God. an auto recording of us at night. To th- and I threatened to send it to him. Oh, wait, yeah. wait, wait! A record, like a ooh ooh ooh. Recording. I changed my mind. <laughs> That's the title. <laughs> ooh ooh ooh. <laughs> I would cry and beg for her back because I loved her so much. And she was the only person who ever made me feel safe. But you didn't make her feel safe. Not even a little bit. So then she would get back and then do the same type of shit to me and try to leave. She said some nasty things to me, like she has to force herself to love me. (laughs) And other things. I miss her so much. I don't know why things... How I don't know why things, I don't know. This is poorly written. I'm going to read know. it exactly how it's at, how it's put on here. I don't know why things how to get so toxic, and why things oh, had to get so toxic. That would be my guess. Got it. And why? Or I think he meant to say I don't know how things got so toxic, or how go. things. Yeah, why things got things got yeah. toxic. He doesn't know how. Yep, pretty much. And why things just couldn't be simple. Or she looked on my phone too. She was not innocent. Well, okay. So I. <laughs> How dare she? Yeah, that's the end. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, I say, yeah, you're the fucking asshole. One, 16 and 20. I won't go into that anymore. Um, Two, you're a fucking psycho stalker, dude. Like. everybody when they were younger at least female wise had somebody like this 
I know I did. I did. My mom, they threatened to come, his cousin threatened to come kick my ass, and my mom told her to come on down and then waited <laughs> on the porch for them. Nice. Oh, well, my, my my mom's badass. My little five foot two nothing mom. Oh, my. Should I tell a story? Tell a story. I've been telling stories all this whole time. This is this is our uh, filler. <laughs> mom, in no way. Actually, no, this makes you look like a badass. Never mind. Um, so I had one of these uh, people. This was like when I was, what, maybe 14 or 15? I think it was 15. That's so. about the age I was, yeah. A good long time ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's younger than me, so don't let her make... Yeah, what, what, did we decide it was like six years? Seven years? You're 30... Six. Six years then. Yeah. Okay. Um, so not that much. Okay. N- no, but my 20 years ago is very different from your 20 years ago. <laughs> no, that's right. I had this kind of boyfriend oh well boyfriend um and i had broken up with them because i was going to a new school that's definitely not the only reason i broke up with him he's also a psycho stalker anyway um and he decided to bring a baseball bat to my house Uh uh-huh while my mom was home with me so our house was about half a mile off the road Mm mm-hmm and he was on the road dragging the baseball bat across the uh, asphalt. Kelsey, come <laughs> out and play. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And making like the metal slide. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Same it's... concept as the, the bottles in the Warriors, yep. Uh-huh. She drove her happy ass out there. <clears throat> this is a long time ago. Cops, if you're listening. She drove her happy ass out there, showed him her pistol, and was like, you need to be out of here in about two minutes. For legal purposes, this is not a true story. Exactly. Continue. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, this is, I made it up. <clears throat> and have you never reported her? I'm sure there's a very, very short statute of limitations on that. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, he got arrested, so. Oh. <laughs> anyway, and um, within 30 seconds, he was gone. Oh, good. So. Yeah, they just never showed up. My my mom told them on the phone, "Come on down here, show me." <laughs> Mind you, guys, my mom is five foot two, nothing, nicest woman you'd ever meet. But she is military trained, and she scared the living shit out of me and my sister growing up. My mom was farmer trained. Yeah, that's even scarier. <laughs> yeah. And when she makes her mad face, I'm like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that was a good uh, fake memory. Yep, good fake memory. <laughs> good fake memory. Anyway, All it's right. your my nope. It's your turn. It's to my t- turn. It's now. your turn to read. You're correct. All right. So Stockholm syndrome. What is it? So from Britannica.com, it is defined as a psychological condition of a victim who identifies with and empathizes with her captor or abuser and their goals. Stockholm syndrome is rare, according to one FBI study. The condition occurs in about 8% of hostage victims. Right. So, very rare. So, I I just want to add this real quick. Um, I'm interested to see how this plays out because when she mentioned who what, what um, true crime um, story she was doing, I, I personally did not see how it was Stockholm. So, I'm excited to see this. Oh, did you look into it? Well, no, I've, I know this one very well, too. Oh. That's why when you first brought it up, I had mentioned it. But 
I'm excited. And we may get to the end of it. And after talking about it, we may figure out that it's not. Yeah. But that, that's why, yeah, that's why I, I'm interested. Because if you can... I like that we have different views on this and can discuss it. Yes. So, continue. All right. With that, we are going to be covering The Girl in the Box. The story of the kidnapping of Colleen Stan. 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 Colleen Stan. My uh, sources, I only have like two sources for this. One's Wikipedia called The Kidnapping of Colleen Stan. And then the other one is Oxygen. And it's called Where is Colleen Stan, the kidnapping survivor known as the girl in the box today? Colleen was born September 31st of 1958. Nope. 1956. She's an American woman who was kidnapped and held as a sex slave by Cameron and Janice Hooker. That's my favorite part about this whole story is that their last name is Hooker. <laughs> she was kept in the their home in Red Bluff, California for over seven years between 1977 and 1984. And the FBI described her experience as unparalleled in their history. Yeah, because, I mean, that's a long-ass time to be... And to be alive at the end of it. Right. 100%. Okay. So, the story. On May 19th, 1977, Colleen was hitchhiking from her home in Eugene, Oregon, which hitchhiking... We all know don't do that, but this was also in the 70s, where hitchhiking was a thing. And it was very common. Like, it was mm-hmm. extremely common. Yep. That's how a lot of people got around. Like, they didn't have cars, they just hitchhiked. Hitch- hitchhiked? Hitchhiked. Yeah. So, not saying she's a bad person for doing this. Don't do it now. We have way too many murderers, and it's way too easy to disappear. Okay. Um... Can I just make one comment on that? Yep. I do not think that things are easier nowadays. I don't think there is more crime nowadays. I think it's just more heavily reported on. Oh, yeah. That's than it fair. was. Because now we have access to Facebook that allows us to get information from the East Coast to the West Coast or from London to the U.S. with a matter of seconds. And so I feel, because if you go back and you listen to all these true crime podcasts, they're doing stories. Mm-hmm. From the 1950s, the early 1800s, and it's all the same shit that's happening now. Hmm. We just didn't know about it because we didn't have the same type of technology. That's fair. I rescind. Yes. But we do have sex trafficking, which is... I'm sure that happened then, too, just on a Probably. lower level. Probably. Because, <clears throat> anyway. I mean, technically, this is sex trafficking, the story. That... Oh, yeah. It's yeah. very true. Yeah. Okay. So, um... She was hitchhiking from her home in Eugene, Oregon, to a friend's home in Northern California. Wow. Oh, California. My brain said North Carolina, and I was like, damn, that's a long way to hitchhike. People did it. Yeah. Anyway, it's Northern California, Oregon to California. She was heading to a birthday party. Cameron Hooker, the male in this story, was born November 5th. 1953, so he was three years older than her. At the time of this kidnapping, he was 23. Kidnapped 20-year-old Colleen after picking her up. What happened was they came to pick her up. He was with his wife and their child, their baby. And that's why Colleen felt so okay hitchhiking with them because she was like, there's no way that a baby and a wife would be a part of kidnapping. 
Stan stated that she was an experienced hitchhiker and had allowed two rides to go past before accepting the ride with Hooker. She reportedly felt confident climbing into the blue van because Hooker's wife, Janice, and their baby were in the car. When they stopped at a gas station along the way, Stan went to use the restroom. A voice told me to run and jump out a window and never look back. She recalled, but she calmed her fear. She calmed her fears and went back to the car. According to Stan and Janice Hooker's testimonies, because yes, they do get arrested. <laughs> um, <laughs> she survives, but they get away with it. It's fine. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> Hooker pulled off the highway and put a knife to Stan's throat once they were alone in an isolated area. <sighs> she was subsequently locked in a wooden head box that was designed to prevent light, sound, and fresh air from entering. I can't remember if the head box was, like, immediately or if they built it after time. Because it doesn't say that she was put into it immediately. No. But that eventually she was. She, she was put into it in the when she was in the vehicle when they had her isolated. Okay, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so Cameron was a lumber mill worker, and that's how he had this box. He built it himself. Him and Janice were having some trouble in their marriage to the point where they reached an agreement that Cameron could take a sex slave. How nice of Janice. Again, like... Wanda Barzi. Mm. I think the wives in these situations are sufferers of Stockholm Syndrome. I, I really do believe that. No, oh, that could be. That could be in this situation, not even it being Colleen, but Janice. Right. Oh. Yeah. I think, and on a different level than, like, what we would think, I think it starts with domestic violence, and then it turns to manipulation, and then it turns to Stockholm. This could be actually a way for Janice to survive too like she has Stockholm because she's staying she's doing all this right um but she's also trying to get the torture off of her right right exactly and when, when we get to the end I'll voice my opinion of um Colleen's Stockholm like further into it because mm-hmm. I, I can detail that more than what I said at the beginning so. all right let's see okay so they reached an agreement because up until that point um Janice was his sex slave and he was using bondage in a not bdsm way he was not being safe about it mm-hmm. but they had ground rules there's no penetrative sex with stan or colleen according to the agreement but that later changes changes yep the first night of the kidnapping colleen was strung up by her hands physically attacked by cameron and left blindfolded and suspended while Janice, 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 Janice and Cameron had sex below her. Colleen said that after she was kidnapped, she was tortured, kept locked in that box, like that head box for 23 hours a day until she was given a contract and forced to sign herself into slavery for life in January of 1978. In view from the box, there was a picture propped up against her purse under the bed and it was a photo of Marie Elizabeth Spanhockey, um, who was a previous victim, and they never found her body. Like, she just disappeared. So, there was a picture under that bed for her to look at and be like, what's going to happen to you? <laughs> um, Colleen said that Cameron led her to believe that she was being watched by a large, powerful organization called The Company, 
they beat her down, made her very emotionally and mentally vulnerable to the point where they could mold her reality into that of theirs and made her believe there was a company called The Company watching her. If you've ever seen Criminal Minds, they cover it um, with Derek Morgan's cousin. Oh, shit. That's right. She was even put in a head box. Holy shit. Oh, my God. I remember that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was loosely based off of this situation because she had been missing for years as well. Probably. Okay. Hmm. Cameron convinced her that the company would painfully torture her and harm her family if she tried to escape. Colleen became a slave referred to as Kay. No more Colleen. She was just Kay. She had to refer to Cameron as master and was not allowed to talk unless she was told that she could talk. Cameron said that he wanted Colleen to be like the female character in the 1954 French erotic novel, Story of O. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's a really funny name. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Story of O. Orgasm? That's that's why I giggled, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, and so, oh, this is no, no longer funny. Damn. <laughs> and soon started raping her, which consisted of oral rape. Cameron did not want, excuse me. Cameron did not want to have vaginal sex with Colleen because he considered, considered that to be a breach in the agreement with his wife. Instead... Okay, instead he raped her vaginally and anally with implements. Oh, so with, like, stuff. Following this, uh, the Hooker family moved to a mobile home in Red Bluff with Colleen, where she was kept locked in wooden boxes under the couple's waterbed. In 1978, Janice gave birth to a second child on the waterbed above Colleen. Colleen said that her faith in God and belief in a chance of escape helped her survive. Her greatest fear, which Cameron reinforced daily was that of the company um so to avoid the painful punishments colleen tried to comply with his commandments which later led her to being allowed to go out to jog work in the yard care for the family's children in the mobile home and help him build bigger accommodations like an underground dungeon for more slaves so this is where i think we could argue that she was dealing with stockholm yeah Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember specifically jogging. Uh, I wonder if she went with Janice or something. Or maybe she would let go by herself. It doesn't specifically say in here. But I know that another podcast probably dug deep into that. Oh, here we go. Even with an open door, neighbors, and a telephone, she made no attempt to escape. Her fear of the company, however, is what kept her from leaving. Colleen was allowed to visit her family by herself in 1981, but did not reveal her situation due to her fear of the possible consequences. Her family thought she was involved in a cult because of her homemade clothes, lack of money, and absence of communications over the years. Uh, They didn't want to pressure her, thinking that she would leave and not come back. Right. But the next day, Colleen returned for a second visit with Cameron posing as her boyfriend. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Colleen later explained that she was happy about visiting her visiting her family, who were therefore able to take a photograph of her and Cameron happily smiling together. And I think I can find that picture and put it on the Instagram. Colleen said that Cameron soon um, started to fear that he gave her too much freedom um, and took her back to his mobile home. 
Then he locked her in the wooden box under the waterbed. 23 hours a day for three years. Bodily functions were dealt with by her using a bedpan, which she positioned under herself with her feet. It was stated in court that Cameron's children were told Kay had gone home. However, once the children had gone to bed, Cameron would take Colleen out of the box to feed and torture her. She was reportedly not allowed to make any noise and had to lie still 23 hours at a time in the dark with little air to breathe. You know, they didn't even give her as much respect as you would give animals by putting holes in their box when you take them home. During the summer, um, the temperature in the box would get over 100. Or for my non-American Fahrenheit friends, that would be 38 degrees Celsius. Um, to feed herself, she ate scraps of food from them. Okay, now we're going to get to the escape. Are you ready? All right. It was not until 1983 that Stan was reintroduced to the children and neighbors. She was also allowed to get a job as a maid at a hotel. Cameron wanted Colleen to become his second wife, which was a turning point for Janice. Janice confessed that, starting with her first date with Cameron. Um, she had also been tortured, brainwashed, and referred to as a whore over the years by Cameron. So, this may in turn turn into a Janice at Stockholm. <laughs> I don't know why she's sticking her tongue out at me. Janice said that she survived their relationship by engaging in denial and compartmentalization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. By August 1984, Janice began struggling with herself and went to Colleen to inform her that Cameron was not a part of the company. However, she did say that the company still did exist. So, it existed, but Cameron wasn't a part of it. In a televised interview for The Girl in the Box, um, Stan, Colleen, told the interviewer that she went to a bus station and, like, called Cameron to inform him that she was leaving. Um, and he burst into tears. Colleen caught a bus home. In the months that followed, she did not contact the police, but continued to call Cameron regularly. She explained this at the trial by saying that she wanted to give Cameron, at Janice's request, a chance to reform. Three months later, Janice reported her husband to the police. Um, she informed the police that Cameron had kidnapped, tortured, and murdered Marie Elizabeth Spanhaki, who had disappeared January 31st, 1976. The police were unable to locate her remains. And because they didn't have any evidence, nobody, Janice's word against Cameron's, they didn't get a murder charge. The trial... Chris Hasher, who is a forensic psychologist and criminal profiler, profiler testified for Cameron's prosecution, and Janice testified against her husband in exchange for full immunity. In the end, Cameron was sentenced to consecutive prison term totaling 104 years for sexual assaults, kidnapping, and using a knife in the process. Originally ineligible for parole until 2023, he had his hearing date moved up seven years to 2015, on April 16th, 2015, his request for parole was denied, and Cameron will be el eligible for another hearing in 2030. However, due to the pandemic, the panorama, California officials contacted Colleen and advised her that they were looking into possibly granting Cameron parole in 2021. They did this a lot because of the pandemic, because of the overcrowding. Ah. Um, to help slow the spread of COVID within jail, in jail, so or in prisons. Hmm. 
So a lot of people who had committed committed nonviolent crimes or were up for parole very shortly, they looked into releasing them early. Interesting. Yeah, a lot of nonviolent criminals got out beca- early because of it, which is nonviolent criminals, you know, like pot and uh, drugs and stuff like that. They got released early, and I don't think they should be in there anyway. So that kind of not for out. drugs, no, no. But people like him should have not been looked at at all. Oh no, absolutely not. Um, instead of a parole hearing, uh, the authorities scheduled a hearing in September of 2021 to decide if Cameron should be classified as a sexually violent predator. Uh, yes. Yeah. Which would result in his civil commitment to a state hospital. So, now let's talk about Colleen and after all this happened. So, she she studied for an accounting degree and tried to move on to a normal life. But, obviously, as it would, trauma followed her. Um, she had a string of failed marriages and a troubled child who was now in jail. Well, that was not her fault. I don't give a shit who you are. That was not her fault. Nope. She joined and volunteered for the Reading Women's Refuge Center, which is an organization to help abuse women. Um, Janice reverted to her maiden name, Lashley, became a registered associate social worker, and has worked as a mental health professional. Colleen has changed her last name. Both Janice and Colleen continue to live in California. They do not communicate with each other. And that's what I got. Okay. So, under the proposed definition of Stockholm Syndrome, I suppose you could say both her and Elizabeth um, Smart had Stockholms. Mm-hmm. But I personally believe, especially after reading Elizabeth Smart's story, mm-hmm. that just because you can escape does not mean you're going to. And yep. especially under... so. Elizabeth Smart deeply believed that this man was going to hurt her family. Um, Colleen was told that she, that the whole company would come after her. We will do an episode on the company because that is a very interesting so- sort of thing. It is a made-up thing that is used to control cap- uh, women who are captive. Mm-hmm. I think under that, anybody at that point would not leave. But not once did she say she had feelings for this man. That's fair. Um, and I think that anytime that you are in a situation with a, another person who is captive, the, the trauma bond forms. Mm. Um, so any sympathy she felt towards Janice, I think, comes from that, not, not necessarily anything else. Now, under the def- definition of Stockholm, yes, I do believe that. However, when I look up st- Stockholm Syndrome, um, I don't know if you've ever heard the story of Patricia, Patricia Hurst. I think I have. Her name's very familiar. She is a newspaper heiress who helped her kidnappers rob multiple banks oh, in the shit. 1970s. Yep, yep. She is the most famous Stockholm Syndrome case. That's fair. I was going to do that one. Then I was like, but I like the story better. It is. I, I agree. Um, I, I do too. Um, and it, it's, it, it, I do believe that Stockholm falls under brainwashing, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, if you go by that, then yes, both, um, Elizabeth Smart and, um, Colleen Stan had Stockholm. They were both brainwashed into thinking that something bad would happen to their families or to them if they 
or to act out in any way. Now, Elizabeth Smart had many times she could have escaped, too. I mean, they had her on the street Mm -hmm. 18 miles away from her house, Mm -hmm. and not once did she reach out to somebody. She was three miles away from her home when she was originally taken. Mm -hmm. Um, At any point, she could have left, too. I'm Like, I mean, she was chained, but mm-hmm. she could have figured it out. So I think I think it just comes down to how they feel about their captors at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Whereas Patricia Hearst admitted to being in love with her captors and stuff like that. So Right. And it's interesting. The interesting thing to me was that she didn't turn them in. She didn't turn, meaning Colleen, didn't turn Cameron in. Right. And she kept calling him and talking to him. Right, and that that would fall directly under Stockholm, one hundred percent. Yep. Hmm. But then I guess maybe the trial broke her out of that shit. Right. One hundred percent. I can see both sides of it. I can totally see why it would be considered Stockholm, but under under the definition of brainwashing in Stockholm. But if you follow under just the Stockholm syndrome definition, um, it's it's well from Britannia. Brit- Whatever one you pulled it from. Britannica. Thank you. <laughs> um, it does not fall under that one. But on, on Wikipedia, it says Stockholm Syndrome is a proposed condition or theory that tries to explain why hostages sometimes develop a psychological bond with their captor. Uh, yeah, to that's which, a better definition. <laughs> which, if you go by that one, then yes, Colleen Stan falls under Stockholm. 100%. Mm-hmm. She formed a bond with her captors. Whereas I don't believe Elizabeth Smart did. No, I I don't think she did either. I honestly think she just left her brain and went somewhere else and allowed things to happen so she could survive. Yep. But in Colleen's case, after so many years, because she was in, she was captive for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. Almost a decade. Yeah. I don't think you would have any other, at that point, you would have to. Mm -hmm. I think that, at that point, I think Stockholm becomes survival. Yep. So, these are the only people you've known for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And if if Elizabeth Smart had been allowed to go home to visit her family. Oh, she would have stayed. I honestly think she wouldn't have. Really? I think she, no, now hear me out. Okay. I think it would have been the similar situation. I think she would have gone in there, acted like everything's fine. However, mm-hmm. her family knew she was missing. They knew something was wrong, hmm. whereas Colleen Stan's family did not. Yeah, they thought she was a part of a cult. Right. So, um, and and it's it's also time versus, like, what decade we were in versus now. Mm-hmm. Um, so back then, cults were very big and everything like that. Nowadays, there's still cults, but QAnon. <clears throat> if you look up cult, any religious based organized religion is a cult. That's that's true. Yeah. So, but my point being is, is I think because Kate and Elizabeth Smart, they knew she was missing. They knew she wouldn't have just left her house. Whereas Colleen was, was meant to go leave her house. Mm-hmm. They, you know, there wasn't any concern. I think that's what makes the biggest difference about allowing them to go home. Because mm. Elizabeth Smart, I honestly do for her survival. Even when she, even when she was rescued, she thought she was going to be in trouble. So yeah. like, huh. Yeah. So I honestly think that it just depends on the situation. Like they could have brought Elizabeth home and had she meant to go out and be with other people and they brought her home. Mm -hmm. I think she could have played it off just the same as Colleen had. Mm -hmm. That's fair. So, yeah, I think it just depends on what you look at and how you look at it. And um, next time we go over this, I think one of us needs to cover Patricia Hearst, though. Oh, yeah. 
because you know we'll definitely cover Stockholm again. Yeah, because there's I mean fascinating. A, a lot of the stuff we're gonna do over and over again, just because there's new things we learn and and different ways trauma is handled in each situation. Mm-hmm. So and we'll have to do updates on some of these stories as we go anyway. Yep. So yeah. So now it's time for. You can sing it. <laughs> Dumb and- ways to die. Okay, for, <laughs> for our first one, we have steel MacBook armor. <laughs> you are wearing body armor in a war zone. You spot an abandoned MacBook. You want MacBook. Where do you where to hide it? With a quick reflex, reflexes, a Russian sh- soldier slid the map book into his chest armor pocket, <laughs> replacing ballistic plate designed to save his life. <laughs> he was killed in Irpin. His body was retrieved, providing a hearty laugh for the U- all of Ukraine. Instant karma. They reportedly found a stolen iPad as well. Wonder where the <laughs> iPad was hidden. <laughs> Wait. I thought you meant that he put the computer, like, under the breastplate. But no, he replaced it with yep. the computer. Yep. God, dumbass. What the fuck? All right. You hear that, everyone? Apple is not meant to protect you. It is not made to take bullets for you. Nope. Okay. <laughs> this one is called the Car Wash Blues. Oh, God. I'm already scared of car washes because of Final Destination. Just so you guys know, I'm reading the 2022 Darwin Awards. So if you guys oh, want to yeah. like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so in um, April of 2022 in California, um, and this man wins the driver wins a slow roll Darwin Award. <laughs> Perplexing. Why did Las Vegas resident jump out of a car inside of a car wash at midnight, avoiding a bee? All we know is they did. Renee Takte drove into a car wash, then exited the Scion hatchback. Well, the drive was still in gear. Under its own power, the Scion evidently crept forward as the as cars do. If you guys know how a car wash works, I'm just going to point this out there. You sit in neutral and it pulls you through. So it's going to creep through whether you're in drive or in neutral. Yep. Because it pulls you through. The 56-year-old was pinned beneath the vehicle. Oh, Jesus. Police said. The car wash was not active at the time. Okay, so this man was just stupid. Okay. It was not active, so it was just in there? No, he left it in drive and was pinned. Oh, my God. The driver was noticed by by the next person to visit the car wash. Eek. Authorities took the unresponsive body to Palomar Medical Center where death was confirmed. No extenuating circumstances have been found, so we bestow upon Renee... A washed up Darwin award <laughs> and commend to the reader these hearty Reddit snarks. There's some other stuff under there, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> God, I would never. Uh, I barely want to go in a car wash anyway. Yes. Getting out. Oh, Jesus. There's a lot of things wrong with that, but. Okay. Uh... This one is called Pretty Fly for a Dead Guy. Oh, no. And this is from the 2021 Darwin Awards. All right. This happened on December 8th, 2021 in Houston, Texas. A West Houston student pilot named Solomon was allowed to solo in a Cessna 172 a few weeks before the incident described below. Cessnas are so fucking dangerous. They are. 
After the solo flight, the exhilarated 23-year-old decided to buy a different plane type, one that he had no training in, a Piper PA-28-140. For the majority of readers who are not pilot pilots, here are some student flyer license restrictions. A student may not fly solo with a passenger in the aircraft. This is actually written on the license. Oh, good. A student pilot may not fly at night without specific endorsements by the instructor. A student pilot must never or must fly under visual flight rules, meaning only during daylight hours and keeping distance from clouds. <laughs> the student pilot may not fly on a hazy or foggy day. There must be th at least three miles of visibility. And some instructors place a more stringent requirement of plus six vision on students' licenses. A student may only fly solo with an instructor's endorsement for that specific make and model of airplane. So he was not endorsed to fly the Pepper PA-28-140. Oh, good. His West Houston flight instructor pointedly told the 23-year-old, do not fly that new aircraft until you have given some training in it. Have, until you are given some training in it. But that did not deter Solomon from taking his new toy out for exercise on a winter night. Jesus Christ. There's he, like a, like he's breaking all the rules. Yep. <laughs> He had to fly a plane he had not been trained in. He had to fly at night, and he had to fly with an overcast ceiling of 900 feet. Three strikes. And you're the, out? <laughs> no, that's three strikes on his student licensing. The flight began at 7.30 p.m. and lasted maybe four minutes. The private plane's <laughs> transponder was not functioning. So the West Houston airport was not aware the plane was missing until a friend looking for Solomon wandered into the airport the next day. The wreckage of the Piper plane was identified deep in a heavily wooded area. And unfortunately, there was a fourth strike against Solomon. Two bodies were found in the wreck. The oh. foolish young man earns Darwin Award for breaking four rules of flight. And the foolish young man earns an honorable mention for choosing to participate in dangerous situations. Damn, so he killed somebody else too? Yeah, so I'm going to go with the dumb way to die is not necessarily the fact that the dude was flying the plane, but the passenger who decided it was okay to go with him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that reminds me of the Cessna that landed on the interstate. Yes. Do you know how many planes... Okay, so growing up in Aurora, Utah, we have a plane, or um, the Ogden Airport, which is a small private air... Not private, but a small airport. It's not like international or anything. Um... Do you know how many planes have crashed into houses? In fact, I'm pretty sure the same house has been hit twice since oh I've been God. alive. Yeah. Wow. Nobody has died in that house, but that has been hit twice. At what point do you move? I'm pretty sure it was two different owner owners. Oh, yeah. even worse. But it's the same house. Jesus Christ. I will never get an assessment ever. I... So my little sister's bio dad is a pilot. I believe he has his pilot license. He goes, he goes up in his little, but he doesn't fly like planes. He has like a little, I don't even know what it's called, but it's cool. He had a gyrocopter for a little while too. Oh, cool. Yeah. Anywho, I would trust riding with him, but he's a very smart man. Very logical. Yes, I would not trust anyone else. No, yeah. no, uh-uh. So, all right. So that is our dumb ways to die for the week. Yay! Yay! Okay, trauma llamas, I got a quick story and then we'll wrap this up. Yeehaw, let's do it. So... Saturday morning, I am driving to the salon because that's what I do. And I was thinking about on episode three, how at the end, which is really stupid, guys. I don't know why I was thinking about this. 
about how I was telling you guys to go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash um, just trauma pod and how it would either go towards investing in the podcast or paying my rent. We'll find out. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I think about this, the things I say, because that's what anxiety does to you. Mm-hmm. Well, two seconds later, I'm not even kidding you. I get an email from buy us a coffee <laughs> and somebody bought us five coffees. So thank you, somebody. Don't worry. We know who you are, but we won't share your name. Somebody. Somebody. So thank you. But we wanted to say thank you, but I had to tell you my story before we could say thank you. Mm. And we forgot to do it at the beginning of the show because I'm easily distracted. Same. So. But yes, thank you. We have officially made monies. Yes. Little monies, but it is monies. Uh, We have not decided what that is going for yet. Probably not my rent, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> Just so you guys know, that went to help to buy one of the four microphones that we have bought for this. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> the first two were garbage. Actually, I don't think it was the mic's fault per se. I think it was user error and not knowing what we were doing. Correct. <laughs> so the mics are probably fine. We and just we don't have like one of those boxes. We don't <laughs> we don't have a mixer. <laughs> Yeah, the mixer. Is that what it's called? Yes, it's called a mixer. <laughs> See, I know so much about sound. That's why this is going so great. I don't I don't know a whole lot about sound. I just know equipment, <laughs> which is silly. That's fair. But that's also why our first couple episodes are a little, well, up until the third. I think the fourth. Have you started editing the fourth at all? Oh, the fourth sounds great. Oh, good. Oh, awesome. I learned during listening to the third, I realized I needed to actually talk into the mic. So my entire life, I've been told, don't get too close to the microphone. Well, apparently with these microphones and podcasting, it's different. You need to be a little bit closer to your microphone. You need to eat the microphone. Om nom nom. <laughs> so anyway, so thank you, somebody. Yes, thank you, somebody. And uh, I think that's that's all for this week. Okay, mm-hmm. trauma llamas. Until next time. If you want to send us a gloom breaker, am I the asshole? Say hey. Say you hate us. Whatever. You can email us at uh, justtraumapodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to also support the podcast and one of the four mics we bought, um, you can go to justbuymeacoffee.com forward slash justtraumapod and go and support us that way. You can leave us a message and we will read it on the episode, whether it's mean or not, because we will we will rip you a new one. Oh, yeah. If it's mean, that's even better. Yep. Can't wait. Yep. And I mean, even if it's mean, we don't care because you just bought us coffee. Exactly. <laughs> so you had to pay to be mean. <laughs> and uh, then um, you can follow us on Instagram to see all the fun pictures we post. Uh, just me and my trauma underscore pod. Yes. Go. So if you're listening to this, this means that you listened to last week's, hopefully. Um, and if not, go back and listen to that because some of those pictures will make way more sense. Yes, absolutely. So, all right, guys, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving because this will come out after Thanksgiving. Yes, Thanksgiving. I hope Kelsey enjoys her little Thanksgiving I told her to do. Rotisserie chicken. And everybody pray for my drive up the mountains. Yes, please, please be careful, especially since there's snow there now. Yeah, I know. (laughs) They keep it pretty well plowed, though. Oh, good. It's the actual drive into my parents' property. That's good. Yeah, gotcha. But the soul's been off-roading multiple times. It's fine. <laughs> All right, trauma llamas. We'll see you next week. Bye, trauma llamas. Bye. 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 Bye.
バイバイ And now it's time for some bloopers. Pew, 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 pew. One more time. Lindsay will just cut this all out. It will be in the bloopers later. It is true. <laughs> the night of her kidnapping, Smart Force. What? Oh, anyway. Um, b- 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 me. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome.